probably shouldn't be surprised this morning. We'll be primarily coming from the book of Colossians. If you've been with us for the last little bit, we've been working our way through through this book. We've now made it to the end of chapter 3, and we've been doing this three, three-part three series called Relationships God's Way, and uh, where, where Paul has moved to giving guidance and direction. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, here's how you should behave or what it, how this should play out in your household. And um, so... The, the first one was marriage. Some of y'all were here for marriage. Uh, last week, Chris did an incredible job on parenting and, and, and children. And, uh, and, and this week, Paul moves on and begins to talk about work. Four-letter word, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is four letters, W-O-R-K. Uh, work. We're going to talk about work this morning. I remember uh, my, my first job, I, I'll, I always say, I used to work at Wendy's. You know, that's what I always say. It was my first job, and Bethany will follow that up with whoever I'm talking to and say, it was for two weeks. <laughs> like, when I'm talking about how bad it was and how stressful it was. And, um, and so I was, I was in high school. My first job was at Wendy's. I did work there about two weeks. And, uh, and I'm an expert on how to make their chili and all that. And I remember it so well from 20 years ago. Not really. But I remember that, that first moment, the first job, and then I did odd things after that, um, you know, mowed yards, I cut grass, uh, you know, I started playing music, so I played weddings, I taught lessons in college, I've had a lot of different jobs and experience, but I remember as we were first, uh, after we first got married, and I kind of had my real, I go to work five days a week kind of job, and that feeling of beginning to provide for your family and to actually pay a bill, y'all remember that, like, the, the pressure or the weight of that. Some of you are young and maybe in high school or college and you've not got to that point yet. You're still living on student loans and, and the fun life and just living it out. And someday, I promise, you have to pay those back. Um, and and so, so I remember that. And I remember talking one time uh, to, to Bethany's Papa Larry. We were at their house and I said, we got to go home. I have to go to work tomorrow. And uh, he said, have to. He said, you mean you get to. You get to go to work. And I remember his thought of, of work and him kind of just sharing that perspective with me. And I remember thinking, hmm, that's a different thought process about work. Many of you think tomorrow's Monday. I have to go to work, right? Who thinks that? Uh, yep, see, we all feel that. You have to go to work. Uh, and what Paul is going to teach us here, really, in this passage, is that we get to go to work. The Bible, he also told us in, in Ephesians, he kind of gave us this direction, because I want to lay the groundwork, first of all, that each and every one of you, every person who ever has been created, that, that, that work is a part of what you were created to do. He says this in Ephesians 5.28, Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work. Well, what is work, you might ask? And he just says doing something useful with their own hands. That means you do something productive. You do something useful that they may have something to share with those in need. So you might think of work as just where I go to get a paycheck or my job, but actually it's more than that. It's just doing something useful with your hands because you can be in all kinds of different circumstances, right? You might be a full-time mom or dad and you say well i don't go to work but every day you work <laughs> you work hard 
and you produce and you create something and you, you make a list and you get something done every day, whether it's discipling and pouring into your children or, or work at the house or for the household, you do work. A paycheck doesn't equal work. Could be retired. You say, I've worked my whole life and now I'm retired. And, and what you, God did not create you to do is retire and sit on the couch. You're welcome to do that. But he says, basically, if we're physically able, we should get up and just do something productive. Do something useful with your hands. Project around the house. Project for a neighbor. Doesn't matter. Just, you got to get up, check a box, check a list, do something useful that day. Maybe, even if you become to where you're physically unable to do things, work a crossword puzzle. Work a hundred a day. Are you with me? Just do something that moves progress it causes your mind to work to do something to check a box check a list um yeah and you see here the motivation paul gives us well why do we work why do we go to work to build your 401k that's how he ends this verse you know build up that nest egg and the savings account no it's completely contrary to our culture he says go to work doing something useful with your own hands that you may have something to share with those in need. You literally work to give. It's part of God's design that as you get and receive, you give and you bless others. You move the gospel forward. You give to the church. You give to your neighbor. You give to nonprofits. You give to charity. You give. He says this is why we work. In this passage on the, the Christian, uh, Christian household, I want to take it back like Chris did and say it started in verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3. He says, whatever you do or say, so in deed and word in your life, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. First he says about marriage, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children for they will become discouraged. The next passage, the next verse 22 is where we're going to start our passage this morning. I want to just lay this kind of groundwork and go to chapter 4 verse 1, the last verse of the passage. That he, he uses this illustration where we've had husbands, wives, and we've had parents, children. When it comes to work, he uses two terms. He uses slave and master. Some of you think, amen, I feel like a slave at work. He was literally talking to, at the time, slavery. Roman Empire, half the people you would meet on the street were slaves. Even some working professionals, teachers, doctors, were slaves in this culture. And, and so I'm going to just kind of dismiss this at the beginning and say, well, if he just gave direction of, of, of slaves and masters, did, did he condone slavery? He did not condone slavery. Did he outright condemn it? No, but I want to share with you the truth here of what he said is he began to break down uh, and lay the groundwork that Christ transcends all divisions. He transcends all divisions. And so what he says here in chapter 4, verse 1, because I want to just get this out of the way, he only has one verse to masters or bosses or employers or supervisors, wherever you want to put in that. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. This was a gospel-centered principle straight from Jesus. Everybody was equal. And one commentator said it like this. 
Without making an overt protest against slavery, Paul seemed to understand that if he could establish the point that slaves were equals in the body of Christ, full human beings born with responsibilities and rights, that they should be treated in a manner both just and fair, then in time the whole structure of slavery in the Roman Empire would crumble. And it did on this founding principle that Paul teaches here based on the gospel of Jesus, disrupted a whole broken system with the truth that we're all created equal. That's powerful. So as you think about this in this passage, I want you to just plug in for, for master and slave, em, employee, workman, labor versus supervisor, employee versus employer. You get the idea. This is what Paul's going to talk to here. So why would we spend this much time talking about work? You know, you spend the majority of your energy there. As, and this is primarily a message to the church, to followers of Jesus. Because you, you think about, you remember the great commission that Jesus said, I want you to go. Well, your workplace is one of the places you go the most. It is a mission field. I want you to, to rethink of work here today. I want you to think of it not as something you have to do, and then, it, then the rest of your life is, is what you really want to do. I want you to think of work as a literal act of worship and service to God. This is what Paul lays out here, that he deeply cares how you handle yourself at work. Coming out of this, this passage, you're going to get all the tips you need to be employee of the month. Wherever you work, you know, you love going in Food City and you see that picture and it's employee of the quarter, you know, employee of the month. There's very practical things here, okay, that we're going to talk about just for a minute that, that will help you. That is not what I'm about. I don't care if you're ever employee of the month. I care that your heart is surrendered to Jesus and then the way you live out your life at work is a light in darkness, okay? And this is what Paul is talking about here. So, so let's talk about what does it take to be employee of the month? Do you all want to know? You don't want to know? You do want to know. All right. What it takes to be employee of the month. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. And pretty tough line right at first. It really says obey. In other words, it says do what you're told. From your supervisor, employer, whatever you want, your boss. We'll just use boss. Do what you're told. That's not real popular anymore. You know, this is uh, we we tend to get offended if someone tells us what to do. And and again, this is marriage, parenting, all these things. Like this does not mean. Uh, anything that you're asked to do that's unbiblical, unethical, wrong, that's going to hurt somebody, this is not what it's talking about. I'm talking about when they say, I want you to sweep this evening, and you're like, but I got a business degree, and somebody else is supposed to sweep. Right? The mindset that can come into your mind. I, why would I mop the floor? I, that is so offensive to me. And here, really, all he lays out here is like, this is the God-given authority that in a, in a work relationship, the employee does what the employer says. 
You honor God by doing that. Even if you think what you're doing is stupid. Even if you think somebody else should be doing it. Even if you think your boss should do it themselves. You do what you're told. It's so simple, yet we make it so confusing. Um, and uh, and we, we start to think, this is really simple. It's just you do what you're instructed and you do what is expected of you. We can begin to think that we are God's gift to our workplace. Can't you begin to get there? You're like, man, what would they do without me? Right? And you think it, you are just, every day you walk in and they are so blessed <laughs> that you walk through their doors. And we can all be honest with ourselves for a split second and say, if I got hit by a bus today, they'd post this job maybe two days from now. And your spot would be filled and someone else would be doing what you're doing. And so one commentator said it like this, work is a privilege. I want you to just take a deep breath. I remember once I was asking a guy going into a super stressful meeting, like, you know, because I used to go into these stressful meetings with governors and all this crazy stuff. And I was like, aren't you so stressed about how this meeting's, how the outcome of this meeting? He said, real stress is not knowing how to feed your family. And, I, oh, that's a good perspective to have. Real stress is not the drama and the conflict you got to deal with Monday. Okay? Real stress is, man, what if I didn't have a job? And he says, work is a privilege. This is what the commentator said. One, to earn a livelihood and provide for yourself and your family. That is a privilege some people, maybe with disabilities, with different circumstances, may never get to do. Work is also a, a privilege because you get to serve your neighbor. Literally, I mean, it, whether you're, you're in construction or, or you're a teacher or you're uh, in retail or, or you're a, 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 a fireman or a policeman, like you, it is literally a privilege that you get to deliver a product or service to, to, to your neighbor, to humanity. Like it's an honor, a privilege to get to do that. To be good at it and do it in an efficient and a good way. And then he says it's a privilege because you earn enough to have extra if you live below your means. Which is sometimes hard to do but important to do. So that you get to help those in need. You get to give to help promote the gospel throughout the wor world. He says work is a privilege. So employee of the month, step one. Okay, you might be a student. You're like, well, I don't work. Well, right now, training is work. You are being trained to eventually go to work. And so right now, your teachers, your professors, your principal, college president, provost, whoever is your, your boss. So when they say it's due by a certain date, it's due by a certain date. You respect that. You honor it. And so we just do what we're told. Like that is pretty simple. How he starts it, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. He goes on to say, try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. <laughs> Some of y'all laughing. We're going to a little convicting message here. 
not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Uh, the, the reality is we're all tempted to work as hard as we have to thinking we have to please man. Like, I'm just going to do enough to keep them satisfied, to do enough to get by. That's how you just keep your job month to month. Okay, that's how you keep it and don't get fired. Nobody wants to be playing like, my goal is to not get fired this month. Okay, let's make your goal to be employee of the month. Okay, so just doing what you're told is how you get by. It's just barely enough. And I could ask you some questions here to begin to question yourself. Uh, can, can you be trusted to do your best, absolute best, when nobody else is looking, when nobody else is around, when it's just you at your desk and nobody's seeing what you're doing, nobody knows you're on Facebook and, and you're, you, you know, you're balancing your checkbook and you're, you're doing other things. Do you do the absolute best even when nobody is looking? That's the question. That's the heart of what Paul is getting to. He's like, when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, that's the way you're going to operate at work. You're going to give your all, because it's not just about you. You're not just doing this for yourself. So, Because so, if you don't do that, then you're really being very selfish, and you're saying, I'm only going to perform when it benefits me. <coughs> do you work hard and enthusiastically? That's the word he uses in Ephesians, and in, in here, verse 23, it says, work willingly. That means with a good attitude, that you're excited, that you, you all kind of ask a question that laid the groundwork. Who's enthusiastic about Monday morning this week? Everybody right now, right? Like, oh, yeah, I didn't raise my hand earlier when I dreaded it. When I have to, he says, work willingly, enthusiastically. So, so here, here's step two to become employee of the month. One, do what you're told and more. Do what you're told plus more, not just when it benefits you, not just when they're watching. Don't be a clock watcher. You know those? Like maybe you work in a cubicle or you just check in. You're like, I did my time. I was there 8 to 4.30. Did nothing, but I was there. <laughs> right? That's not honoring to God. You're not there to just to fulfill a commitment of your presence. You're there to develop uh, and deliver benefit and value. And to honor God with the work that you do. I had a boss one time. I uh, I was I was working uh, for Morris State University and uh, the, the the small business development center. I was uh, helping. They called it a consultant. I helped people who wanted to start a small business, write business plans and things. This was over a decade ago. And they basically, you know, when people would go to the bank and want to start a business, the bank would send them to us to do the business plan. They were usually applying for a loan. That didn't happen every day, and I was part-time there. And I remember there was days I would sit there, and, like, there was nothing to work on. Like, we didn't have, like, I was really just there. And so I went to my boss, and I was like, hey, would you, like, I would love to go out and help some of these businesses out in town. Could I just take our card out and go meet with them and sit down and talk to them? And I remember him looking at me and saying, we don't want to get too busy. 
And I remember thinking in that moment, man, this is not, I'm just not wired this way. I'm not wired this way. And as a believer, you shouldn't be wired that way to be looking for ways out and to do less work. It's pretty interesting um, as, you, as you think about this uh, because it, it, is, it is really about doing more. I used to share these stories a lot. I'd go around to seniors in high school and I'd get to talk to them and I would talk to them. I'd use Food City as an example. That's a pretty common part-time job for a high schooler. Anybody part-time high schoolers? Anybody in here work at Food City? Right now, we got any Food City employees? Did. We got a few. Yeah, that's a popular place to work. And I always use that as an example to help them understand work ethic and what it looks like. So let me do that with you all. You all want to do that for a minute? You just got hired at Food City. You're part-time. Your first shift is from four to close, okay? No work ethic means I show up at four, maybe. Okay? You leave in just enough time to get there that if the red light, you hit one red light wrong, you're late. Okay, so you're, you're there, maybe you're on time, maybe you're a few minutes late, and it's somebody else's fault if you're late, okay? Are you, are you following me for a minute? And, and then you begin to work, and you know that you get a 15-minute break after you work three hours, whatever it is. I don't know what the rules are. But you work three hours, it's 7 o'clock, there's 47 people in all 12 lines, and you're like, it's my break time going to the break room, right? It comes time to close, and you know that your friend that usually does all the mopping and cleaning is not there, and it's not going to get done, but you got so many video games you got to play when you get off work. And the manager says, hey, could you really help out by mopping tonight? That's usually not something we'd ask you to do, but we need you to mop. And it's like, oh. I got a mop, like I just bagged the groceries. <laughs> I, I, am I out of context here? Does this sound real? The, the opposite is, okay, because I could keep going on and on with this, right? The opposite is, it's my first day, I start at 4, I'll be there at 15 till. Because I care about this place, I want to honor God with my work and my time and my commitment here. And I know I'm supposed to get a 15-minute break, but we're busy, and if I have to stay and work through it, you're going to have to drag me out of here to take a break. And you get to the end, and it's time to close, and you know somebody's not there to mop, and the manager comes out of the office, and you're halfway done. You do what's been asked of you plus more. Like, you look for ways. Like, you actually want your boss to be successful. Like you're doing everything you can, everything you've been asked of you, and then you're looking for more ways to help, and you want to be that employee, okay? Like if you're that employee, I promise you'll be employee of the month, you'll probably get the promotion, you'll probably get the bonus, you'll probably be successful in life just by having that type of work ethic. But don't do it for that. <laughs> the motivation really matters. He says, do it though you were working for the Lord. You're like, if you knew my boss and I had to pretend like they were Jesus. <laughs> I 
But he says, I want you to work willingly, enthusiastically. I'm sending you out into the darkness. You've got to set an example in this place, not just in the things you say. And you're trying to you say, how do I, how do I get Jesus to my, my coworkers? They're lost and they, they don't have any faith. And, and, and Paul says one way is by the way you work and, you, and the things you say and the things you do. In word and deed be, deed be a representative of Jesus in that place. Even when it's not fair. He doesn't say, if it's fair, do what they say and do more. It doesn't say, if you've got the best boss, do it. Because we find he says, we are doing this not to honor your supervisor, but to honor God. Your attitude, your work ethic, your effort, what you put into your job is important to him. I'm not saying, but my manager's a jerk. Doesn't matter. You might say, but you don't know uh, how unfair it is. You don't know the kind of schedule they give me. You don't know what they're asking of me, the time to put in. You, you don't know how they manipulate reports. You don't know how they play favorites. You don't know how they don't care. You don't know how, know how they're always late and leave early. Like these are all the things that the devil gets you spinning and you're just starting doing one wrong to meet one wrong and that never makes a right. Your papa told you that. Imagine Jesus watching your every move at work and discerning he wouldn't remember he didn't just see your actions he sees your heart he sees your motives imagine talking to him at night about work like you talk to your family and your friends about work and tell him about how bad it is how bad your boss is and all these things how much everyone else is getting paid and they don't value me i'm god's gift to them all those things we say and, and I, I think Jesus' response, based on this passage, might be, I'll take care of them. You can't control them. I deeply care about you. I deeply care about how you respond in this situation. And how in everything, in word and deed, everything you do and say is done as a representative of me. I want you to reimagine this Monday and this week, and I want you all to know everybody in here is a missionary. You are on mission into a lost and broken world. I want you to be enthusiastic as you go to teach. Listen, you come to school like this as a teacher instead of thinking of all the, the conflict and the drama and the, the bad you know, uh, administration and all that, and you see a hundred kids that walk through your classroom every day, you can forget all those things. When you say, I've been called here to do and say things that represent Jesus. You are Jesus in that school. You are Jesus in that classroom. You're Jesus in the courtroom. You're, you're Jesus at the hospital and the clinic. You're, you're Jesus on the construction site. You have been, you're Jesus in your house if you're full-time mom, dad. You have been called to be the hands and feet of Jesus. You are on mission, and you cannot be on mission as long as you're bitter and frustrated about work. We all get there. We've all been there. One commentator summed it up 
like this, as we see, you might be, you're either working hard, usually there's two motivations, one is for a bonus of sorts, or a raise or promotion, or you're just working to not get reprimanded, what I said earlier, just doing this because I'm on, uh, you know, I've been placed on, uh, on temporary, uh, I've been given a verbal warning, and I've got to be perfect, or this is it. But here we're not honoring our boss, remember. It says, remember the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward. Your real bonus is spiritual. Your real reward is, is God is watching you and how you behave and, and, and control yourself at work. And that the master you are serving is Christ. That will make the day easier, I promise, if you think about honoring him and serving him faithfully. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you've done. In other words, there's consequences for clock watching, for showing up late, for being halfway and half-hearted in your work. Uh, let me say this one thought as we get ready to, to go to a passage to close. Um, your boss's ability to lead does not change your responsibility to work. Amen. I've kind of said that in all kinds of different ways. Your boss's ability to lead and manage does not change your responsibility to work. And that's really what Paul is teaching here. He spends one verse talking about the employers, be just and fair to your slaves. We're not going to spend a lot of time there. But many of you supervise people Here's a great guidance, simple direction. Just be just and fair. Just like he calls husbands and wives to submit and, and sacrifice. Just like he calls parents and children to, to work together. And one, all, all, nobody's perfect. And just the same thing for employers and employees. Going back to 317, and whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We read from Acts 20 for you as we get ready to close. This is Paul, same person who wrote the letter we just read, gave the direction on, on work here. In verse 17 in chapter 20 of the book of Acts, uh, we have a, a recording here where Paul is finishing out some missionary trips, and he's been all around uh, Asia and all around the known world at the time, planting churches and and just doing kingdom-minded, oriented, changing the world and cultures and hearts all around the known world. And, and he gets back, and he had planted a church in Ephesus, and now it's later on, and he's close to that church, and he sends for the elders. He says, bring me the elders from Ephesus. And in verse 18, it says, when they arrived, he declared, you know that from the day I set foot in the province of Asia until now, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me from the plots of the Jews. I have never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear, either publicly or in your homes. I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus. In verse 22, he says, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city, after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. The verse I really want you to hear, 24. He said, but my life is worth nothing 
For my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. So you have a greater calling than your profession. Every single believer in here has been called to go to all the nations. He says his work that was assigned to him by the Lord Jesus, that meant I could get to the end and have all kinds of silver and gold and fine clothes. I could have a 401k that you wouldn't believe. I could leave my kids' homes in three different states and all these things. He says, but that's really worth nothing. He says, here's what's been assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. There's a lost person in your, in your workplace. You're wondering how do you reach them. This is the place to start. To not be the one that they complain about. <laughs> to not be the one that is not faithful and honest in your work. You have this opportunity to be a light, and I think of the, the, where does this prayer start? You say, how do I be more like that? How do I be more like this? It's not trying harder. It's really what John the Baptist said in John 3.30. He said, I'm, see, see, for my life, he has to become greater. And great, Jesus, I want you to take anchor in my heart. I can't do this. I can't work like that. I need you to take anchor in my heart, and you become greater, and I want to become less. That genuine prayer is what I hope you can pray today. God, we thank you as the worship team comes up and we close this morning. I'm thankful that you've given us a mission field and this privilege and this honor to get to go to work and to a place and, and to, be, uh, to be your presence, to make your presence known and felt in the way that we, that, that we honor and we, we obey the, the guidance and directions that have come to us from our, our supervisors and and that we have a heart to be more, that, that we want to we be part of the solution, and we want to be a benefit and a value to the teams that we work on. God, I pray for every person in here. Some are saying, I don't have a job. I, I, I'm just in a confusing place. God, we know that they do have a job, a work that's been called, just like Paul said, that we all have a job. We've all been called to a work to spread the love of Jesus in this town and in this place. And God, I can, I, we can only say so much on a Sunday morning from this place, but we got hundreds of people here who are following you, can step into their place of work and be a missionary. God, I'm thankful that you use that place to honor you, that, that, that you give us strength, that you call us. I've heard stories this morning of, 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 of conversations of, of people that work at Cato's and how they've got to share Jesus with customers and co-workers and talk about the deep things of life, that these are the places where you can drop your view and, and your truth in these opportunities if we've built respect and credibility by the way that we honor you. God, give us strength to do that. Make this church more you. Make you greater here in each and every person, the believer in my life, in this place, in this body. God, to make us all less. Lay us in the floor. God, we don't, we, don't, we don't need us. We need you. We honor you in that. God, 
God, if nobody, if there's somebody here that's never given their life to Jesus, if they don't know what it means to be given a work from Him to, to, to find purpose in their life by the one who made them, God, it's so simple to surrender because you've done all the work. You came, you lived the perfect life, you fulfilled the law, you died on a cross that we deserved. God, you died on a cross that we deserved. You paid the price of our sin and our brokenness. You took what we deserved and you gave us eternal life. God, the least we could do is come into Monday with enthusiasm.